Today's intention is to share my story. In all of its glory, don't hold back, Bobby. <laughs> hey, it's Bobby. Welcome to Student of Intention, where we help you enjoy the pursuit of purpose. And remember, don't wait, start small, learn as you go. Hey there, friends. Uh, Bobby Dysart here, student of intention. Really excited to be back in the Creative Palace after a couple weeks off uh, for the Thanksgiving break. Um, I'm actually in studio with um, with an old friend, we'll say, uh, fellow SalesCast um, member and, and podcast host, uh, Lisa Florida. Um, I will introduce here, her here shortly. And um, in the meantime, I wanted to share actually a quick story re uh, related to the Thanksgiving break. And um, I hope you can take some of this um, into, into the rest of the holiday season. Um, what I want to highlight is a couple, uh, I guess it was three moments um, from, from my holiday festivities. And it, it's related to the mantra, don't wait, start small, learn as you go. Um, you know, that mantra has carried me through so much for the last year. And, and, um, and, and a lot of people mention that it impacts them and they use it a lot. Um, but it usually gets relegated to like big things, right? Like to not waiting with regards to, you know, starting a business or um, following a creative pursuit or starting a new relationship or what have you. But um, it's just as helpful for the little things. And dare I say, like, if you can use it on the little things, you better prepare yourself for the big things. And um, I was just reflecting before today's show about um, a few times where I, I really relished that mantra for a couple small moments. One, I was visiting my uh, future brother-in-law, uh, Taylor Gramco's house in, in LA. And after uh, a night out at a concert um, with with uh, my wife and a few friends. Um, we had made plans to wake up real early and go to his gym, uh, which is the LA Athletic Club. And of course, as you know, you wake up at seven o'clock, you have these plans the night before to go to the gym. Like it's the last thing you want to do on a Saturday morning. But um, Taylor and I, we stood strong. We said, we're going to go do this. This is what, you know, our intentions, what intention was. And even though we were driving there um, kind of hazily and just like, oh man, I, it, the last thing again we want to do is work out at this moment. Um, it's sort of like that, 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 um, hesitation just melted away the second I got into this facility um, because they had a like an Olympic sized pool. And I don't remember the last time I was in the, a pool this beautiful um, or even a, an indoor pool at all. And I just felt like a little kid and I just had the best time swimming in that pool. I went and I, I swam laps for like 30 minutes. And instead of doing like normal workouts, I was like, man, I'm, I'm 10 floors up in the middle of downtown LA and there's this dope pool, I'm gonna swim in it. And so I, I ended up having this blast just swimming and um, you know, it, it just it just spoke to again, like leaning into those moments where you, you kind of don't want to do something, but you go and do it anyway and how you can kind of surprise yourself and have a great time. Um, the same thing happened when I landed, uh, when Tracy and I landed in Arizona um, to visit my family for Thanksgiving. We stayed uh, near ASU's campus um, there in Tempe, and we didn't we didn't get to our hotel till about ten thirty at night, and um, we had to wake up early to 
go meet the family and do everything. And and um, we we had more than enough reason to just go to bed. But Tracy and I were like, dude, we're in a campus city here in the middle of Tempe. Like, let's go for a walk. Let's just go see the sights, hear the sounds, you know, of of um, a campus you know area uh, on a on a you know holiday evening. And it was only a twenty minute walk, and it was just it was just so awesome. Um, you know, Tracy and I just we walked. Um, we probably only walked a mile um, up and down uh, Mill Avenue, um, but we just had the greatest time. And um, and then lastly, uh, on the last day that I was visiting um, my folks, we had went uh, again. We we had made this plan to to drive like twenty five minutes to this place called Canyon Lake. And it was one of those things where everybody was just tired from the holiday visit and nobody really wanted to go. But I said, no, guys, let's go. Let's go. Uh, and I dragged everybody out. Um, we ended up checking out the lake. It was beautiful. Really just um, had a nice little fun time. And then and then on the way back, I really wanted a cup of coffee and we passed this place. I don't even remember what it was called, but it was like a frontier town, basically. And... I remember I'm driving and I had this moment of like, all right, now or never, I get off this exit and I go sh- and I go drag ourselves to this frontier town just because it caught my eye or I don't. And I don't get to experience it. I can go home to, um, to whatever it is I needed to go home to. But I decided to get off the exit, dragged everybody there and it ended up again, just really surprising us. This just like little off the beaten path um, frontier town for lack of a better word. Um, we got a cup of coffee and just took the sights in. And, you know, the, the moral of story here is like during this Thanksgiving or during these holiday seasons, you have these moments where you can experience the beauty, the wonder, the, you know, just the curiosity of living. Um, and it could be as simple as like walking outside when it's raining or when it's snowing or checking out the city streets around the neighborhood that you're visiting and family and just realize like you don't get to do that any other time or at least there's only you know once a year maybe that you actually can do that. Um, so take advantage of it, savor it. Um, in the words of the mantra, don't wait, start small, learn as you go. Um, with that, I'll shift uh, to introducing today's guest um, Lisa Florida, she hosts the 8 Billion Podcast. That's actually how we met. Um, she had me on that show where she shares unique stories of struggle, pain, perseverance, and victory. She's also a real estate professional, entrepreneur, and investor. Um, like I said earlier this year, she invited me onto that 8 Billion Podcast, and we just had such a wonderful conversation that I asked her to join me here. So, Lisa... Welcome to Student of Intention. Oh, thank you, Bobby. I am glad to be, I'm happy, elated, in fact, to be a student of intention today. <laughs> love it, love it. Me too. I mean, I, uh, I I think I told you before the show, like um, over the last year, I've had the pleasure of interviewing a ton of guests over Zoom, um, but we had such a good time talking in studio here. I wanted to do it again. So I'm just really I'm really grateful as well that you're here. So thank you. Yes, these are my favorites to do in studio, in person podcast interviews. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we let's start with the eight billion project. We we met because of this project, and I think we kind of started um, our podcast at similar time. Um, so I just want to know the latest. What uh, 
you know, after a year in, what sort of top of mind, what have you learned? Um, give, give me the up to the minute stuff. It's been an incredible journey. I hit one year in October of this year, and I, I think you hit one year this uh, this month, right? Uh, actually, it'll be, it, we Chris and I were just talking about, it, it'll be one year New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve, congratulations. So very close, yes. Right? I mean, like, it's just, you don't know what to expect. You know, you can do as much research as you, you can and, you know, kind of ask around. But for me, it has been an absolutely incredible year. What, what was kind of interesting, and here's one story that I'll share, is like I was, I had done live streaming before that. And that's how the, someone had brought up podcasting to me. And I was like, no, I've never thought about doing podcasting. And so interestingly enough, another one of our, you know, colleagues, or I should say people in SalesCast, Mark, I came across him. He told me about SalesCast. And before I knew it, I started a podcast. The interesting thing is I didn't have my first guest. <laughs> so I went and go, I went and looked for my first guest, brought, I think I brought them here. Mm-hmm. Or no, actually. Mark was my first guest. There you go. Um, and then uh, from there, it just like rolled through. It was, it, it's crazy when you follow like a calling or you kind of surrender to something that brings you just so much joy. Um, everything just unfolds in an amazing way. And so um, I hit one year anniversary on October of this year, 2021. And I was, I'm currently in my fourth season, but what was really um, another blessing too was my season four because, and I think we'll go through this um, probably somewhere in the podcast, you know, that I've had like a really big um, heart for the Philippines because that's where my parents were from. And I wanted, like I said, I started live streaming there. Um, But for my season four um, anniversary guest, I landed an actress, a very famous actress in the Philippines. Mm. And she shared a very big breakout story that she had never shared before on any interviews. So that was really big and like expanding and getting my name out in the Philippines. (laughs) It was pretty cool. So um, here I am in the middle of season four. I think I started to record already season five, um, but I'll go into full swing in, um, in January, 2022. But it's just unbelievable, incredible, amazing. I don't know. All the things, All huh? the different words. I don't even think there are words to really describe it. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's get some context of what the 8 billion project represents. And, and I do, you use the word calling. Um, which I know you kind of kind of view it as that. So yeah. tell us a little bit more about it. So the eight billion, interestingly enough, uh, it started off first just going to be telling stories, and I was like, gosh, there's not going to be a shortage because there really are eight billion. Actually, we don't hit eight billion until 2023, supposedly. But I think <laughs> I have to. I think I went on that counter. When we're talking about eight billion. We're talking about eight, pe- eight billion people in the entire world. <laughs> so Liz is just she's going to eventually get to eight billion stories. Yes, I will, or somehow impact eight billion lives. I don't know. That's really big. That's a really. Uh, overambitious goal. But uh, yeah, it's really to just share stories of people in it. And the year that it was born was almost perfect timing because so many people's lives changed, including myself. At the beginning of 2020 is when I really felt like this deep calling and true connection and alignment to my higher self. Mm. And when you know, the messages just started filtering through and it was just really through meditation and listening and kind of looking up for signs, following my heart. I think that was a big thing. 
Um, and so my my thing, of course, is to be able to just connect with people. Everyone has a story. Everyone's unique, and everyone's story matters. And there are some. There have been some incredible stories. In fact, what am I on? I launched forty seven today. Mm. Um, and so that's what it is. Everyone has these moments in life that they're trajectories and I'm there to sit down and find out what were those things. Everyone has them. And so to find that little messaging in their story um, that really changes them is what I try and deliver to, to create impact in this world, to help everyone understand we're all on this journey of finding ourselves, finding God, the universe, whatever it is, and holding space for that in whatever form and fashion that is. <sighs> You just you just took me back to our conversation, and I remember that's like you, you were kind of just teasing it out of me, and it was something that um, you know j- just the journey of it all and the finding of the self. Yeah. These these words that I I don't know. I guess I just never really used before that seemed so meaningful me to me in the moment, and still do. You yeah. know, on the front of my website, it literally says "Find Yourself" with a capital S, and right. it's it's all it, and it's this never ending kind of. Um, just discovery process to try to figure out like what the heck is going on here? What is this journey about? Um, so I love that you're doing it. You're, you're helping people share their version of it so other people can can learn from it and <clears throat> go deeper you know, within their own journeys. Um, but I wanna, I guess today, instead of sharing 8 billion other stories, I wanna share your story. So um, I guess let's start with the Philippines piece. Um, uh, I think that you anchored around a, a lot of your work around this. Actually, no, I don't wanna, I don't wanna color it. Um, if you wanna start um, with, with the Philippines piece, by all means do, but um, where, does, where does your sort of version of, of self-discovery start or, or where do you wanna start it? So I would say like when I started my spiritual awakening journey had to have probably been in 2008. In 2008, um, if you remember, is the subprime mortgage uh, crisis. Right. right, as a real estate person, as a real it's estate kind of interesting person, time. Yes, it was a very interesting time because prior to that, every it's very much like this market right now. Everyone's finding success, real estate is at an all-time high, and you know, like we had a basis because we were fam, you know, we were family business that was started by my mom, so we were just killing it. It just felt like money was raining from the sky. And then we were fortunate enough that my mother had been through a different cycle already, so she's already seen the market drop, and so she started seeing signs of it. And that's why we started going after the banks as clients. So instead of actually having these homeowners as as clients, we went straight to the bank because we we started to see, or she did, my mother, she started to see signs that something wasn't right, especially coming from an accounting background. She's like, oh, these, these numbers are not right. We couldn't keep going down this path where it was like stated income, stated assets. If you could breathe, you could get a loan. Like eventually she it was, was reading gonna the give. tea leaves. She was reading the tea leaves. Um, and sure enough, it hit. But one of our first accounts was countrywide home loans, which was like one in every four loans is a countrywide loan, which eventually turned to Bank of America. Anyways, with that story, everything started to shift dramatically. People, now our clients were like, we don't know how, like our mortgage has been, you know, have adjusted and we can't afford it. What are we going to do? Then it starts that process of short sale, then pre-foreclosure. Then there was just so much defaults that were happening. 
and time was against them because the volume and the sheer volume of number of homeowners who couldn't afford it were just like, it was astronomical numbers. So anyways, the market starts to fall. Even we were affected by it. I mean, as much as we, you know, as much as we made so much money, you know, eventually you're, you you have to figure out, are you going to let your house go? Or are you going to let your liquid go? And you have to make those choices. So we were starting even as a family, as individuals, we were starting to lose things. And so I think I, I think I took my first uh, personal development, like, in-person seminar in 2006, but that was just like, oh, okay, you know, like positive thinking and all this kind of stuff, understanding what programs are. But the true journey that went deep within myself and was really specific to myself was started in 2008 because I started to understand like, there's got to be something more than this. And mm-hmm. I think those are those big <coughs> questions, especially when you're feeling deep pain because you're, in a way, it's almost like the beginning and the shedding of the first layer of the ego because if money defined you if career defined you and all that kind of stuff and now you're losing all of that then what what who are you and so that's where that first question starts to come in and then you go down that rabbit hole right (laughs) it depends on how far you want to go down that rabbit hole but i kept going deeper um and then in 2010 what ended up happening is I took a trip to the Philippines with my dad. And for the first time, I had understood what people were. Well, real quick, what, what do you mean? You were going down the rabbit hole. You were shedding that first layer of ego. You just jumped ahead two years. What, <laughs> what, what went down? Was there a big course or something that like impacted you? Because you talked about a couple of different things there. I Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, like, you know, if you start losing things like material things and you don't have that stuff, like what are the things that you do have, right? So you start thinking of, in the end, if you get down to the core, it's who you are as a human being is what you have. And so that was still really rough. Like I was in that middle of like, you know, from the outside, we look really, it was very successful and it was. because we, everyone wanted to be, you know, have what we had, like have the banks as the clients. Everyone wanted to be those foreclosure agents, but it was hard, you know? I mean, you'd get assigned that stuff. But inside I was in such inner turmoil because even though, you know, we did have a lot of business, there were still a lot of things that we're still going through. Like we lost investment properties, you have to give up homes, you know what I mean? So it was really just the volatility of that it was the volatility time of that. being yeah. in that business. I mean, yeah, and so and it's very similar to like maybe I'm it everything that happened in the pandemic. It just happened globally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And everyone had to pivot in whatever way they could or however, and they tried different things. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. You just got to keep going. And so that became that whole thing where I had to search deeper for what you know like what what who am i Mm -hmm. and so a lot of that i got you know you start to shed all those layers and you really it's like who you are as a person it's you know how good you are or like the integrity that you have you know or how you could say like okay well i don't have as much money or i don't have any money right now yeah Yeah. also one thing too was um around that time um after i had had helped the family like get all the banks. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I forgot <laughs> one thing. <laughs> Thanks for taking me down this journey. And 
in 2000, around 2009 to 2010 is I kind of stepped away from the business. Mm. You know, um, I don't know if I've ever talked about this and my mom, you know, I lost my mom in 2018 and we're so close, but there was a time frame in, in that, that my relationship got rough with her. You know, like mother and daughter, right? Like you have these high expectations of your daughter and she wants to push me and push me. And it, and she really genuinely had really great intentions. But for me, when I was going through so much inside, I couldn't just like handle it. And so I took a break from like the family business and kind of worked outside of it. In fact, the, I haven't even released a video on this. I recorded it, I did a short video and I was gonna actually put it on my website. But for a time frame, I did work even on a food truck. I, wow. I worked on my cousin's future cloud. It's kind of crazy. Thanks, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's getting so warm in here. <laughs> no, I mean, family businesses. My, I grew up in a family business mm -hmm. household. Um, my good cousin, who I just visited in Thanksgiving, um, works with his dad in a family business. And man, those dynamics uh, between child and parent, um, when you have a young, sort of hungry, up-and-coming kid working with the established um, parents and in the industry, there's just natural friction, tension, mm -hmm. excitement, love. Like, yes, it's all the stuff. So, I mean, now we've been through everything, right? right? I mean, the only thing we haven't had is a reality show, but we've been through everything as a family. And then, of course, you know, we lost, you know, we lost my mom. But that was the thing. They, you know, you're held in, you know, to certain standards that are just so different, right? And, and they do, genuinely, I know she meant well because she wants to push me towards more success. But like I said, when you're trying to find yourself and then you keep getting pushed and then everything is chaos, kind of sounds like what's happening right now in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Then I had, and that was the thing, like I had these big dreams and visions and of course it was her business, right? She started it. So she had different plans of it and I'm just more like, hey, there's these different things that I wanted to incorporate and we just couldn't see eye to eye on different things. So I had to step away from it because what I was thinking was, okay, I'm gonna go and try and find my own success. I'm gonna try and not ride the coattails of my mother and and do something for myself. Mm. But it was a very rough journey. It really was, you know, cause you gotta like, you've gotta shed everything down to the core. And even then it's like, how far do you go? It's, you don't know. There's layers and layers of so many different things about yourself that you have to find out, mm -hmm. you know? And so now in 2010, I take a trip. Now I was like, why did I have the free time to go to the Philippines? I could take a trip to the Philippines with my father. And I, you know, at that point I had like, you know, I was finding a lot of like peace within myself and understanding like people. So of course my, my, you know, I teach this with everyone or share this, it, like we're all spiritual beings having a physical experience. And so when I went to the Philippines, I set the intention of connecting with everyone. And it's so hard, like, you know, sometimes you go to a third world country like the Philippines, it's like you see so many of the children like peddling for like food and money on the streets. And I was just like, wow, this was, it was really heartbreaking for me. And at the time it was 2010. So my son was maybe about six years old. And I was just thinking if my parents hadn't <coughs> both taken the risk and, you know, migrated to the United States, we could have easily been one of those children. So I had this big heart for wanting to do some work in the Philippines. And I literally. And when I, you're also looking through the lens of someone that had just 
sort of broken off from the family business that uh-huh. gave you a lot of the privilege that you are now mm-hmm. sort of like just greatly aware of in yes, that condition. Absolutely. So that was that was big for me. Like I I went to my mom's province and I sat there and you know, I don't know if a lot of people say this, but when you go to like a third no, I don't even want to like say like when you go to like an island, right? Cuz Philippines is an island and you go into the provinces, life is so much slower there. But I enjoyed it because for them you know, it's like a tribe. You sit down, you eat, you talk. It's really the things that we kind of take for granted because life moves so fast here. Mm-hmm. And it slowed down so much for me that I got to actually just take it in and be present. It's mm-hmm. exactly what you were talking about, those moments during Thanksgiving weekend that you don't get to do and you just did it. And so I did it. And then it was big for me that I knew that I wanted to return and kind of do something bigger, like work for charities. So that became like my first, like that was like my first couple years of the spiritual awakening. And then, you know, you kind of go through ups and downs, but. um, You know, oddly enough, the Philippines was the last um, international trip that I went on before the pandemic. Was it really? Yeah, we were actually at a friend's wedding in Bahal and then we went to El Nido for sort of an after wedding hurrah, um, wow. which I absolutely just fell in love with that island. Did you like El Nido? I, I loved it. I loved it. I was convincing, yeah. trying to, I was convinced, my wife was not convinced <laughs> that we were going to open up our own Airbnb, right? Um, talk about being present and slowing down in front of the Airbnb I had stayed at. There was this old boat that was like, um, just on stilts, basically, yes. in the water yes. that some old dude was working on. He, he looked like he had a few years to go on finishing this thing. And I was like, I'm moving here and I'm working with that guy on that Right, boat, you exactly, know? exactly. Um, they called it the bunka, I yeah. think, bunka. But it's interesting though, I think Tim Ferriss writes about it in the four hour work week, right? Is it <clears throat> is it him or, well, let me just reference to it. They say that we, we you know, we work and we migrate and go to other countries, work hard, build the living to only just go back to do that same thing again, like my father, Mm. you know, he lived a very poor life. I mean, he was very poor, comes, migrates to the United States. Him and my mom have like, you know, a successful family and business per se. And then he only to retire and go back and to exactly where he was from the province. And he lives so simple right now, but he's so happy. And I think of all things, he's really, you know, like he doesn't have to worry about all this, all the variants and all that kind of stuff. Oh, so he's back there. He's back there. So yeah, like just went full circle, returned to the mean basically. Yeah, back in his old province in an apartment. And he goes to the beach, walks there every morning, goes, oh, I exercise. I mean, like like his one luxury, I think that he ended up getting this year was like internet. So now he calls us all all the time on FaceTime. But yeah, so that in and of itself, that started that journey with the Philippines and I wanted to do so much work there. But of course I still had a small little son to raise and all that kind of stuff. So I, I actually went back in 2012 and I made good on it. I was working on a different project, um, like a side like business technology thing with, with someone, uh, a partner that I had met maybe in 2009, 2010. And we, we went back to the Philippines to try and get funding for it and present it to different people. At that same time, I managed to stay there maybe two to three months. The first 
the first year, I mean, the first quarter of 2012. And I did. I actually taught English, but not to uh, Filipino kids or I, it was like um, these Vietnamese students that mm. were in the Philippines. So I taught English, I think like two times a week. I did some volunteer work for like, you know, um, a lot of these foster homes and like watching a lot of the kids. There's just, you know, I got to do that. But then that's where it ended because I came back home and then my mom said, look, Lisa, your efforts in wanting to be so kind and this big heart and humanitarian is really good, but humanitarian and philanthropists, like, well, philanthropists per se, she said, um, are able to give back when they have a lot of money. So I just suggest that maybe you just come back, work, you know, work on your career, work in the family business, and then... Um, and then go back when you, you know, like you have more of established business. It makes sense, right? That's what we're all. Well, moms are always right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she was right. they are always right. Yeah, I was, um, yeah. But at the same time, right? When you're, uh, again, you're you're trying to find your spot in their business that, that, that exactly. she's been sort of the queen for a long time. Yes. Um, you had to break away. You had to have those three years. You had to go do that experience. Yeah. Um, but then you came back and, and you got back into it. I got back into it. Well, actually, it was still a while. I still did other things, mm. you know. I had to. It was it was the only way that I could learn. I, it was the only way I could go on my journey. You know what I mean? Real estate was always deeply embedded in our in our family, and our blood. I mean, like even being removed from it for a few years, I, I came back and it was just like, wow, I, it's still there. I mean, of course, laws change and all that kind of stuff, especially after the subprime mortgage meltdown. But I mean, real estate's real estate. If you kind of grew up in it, you'll always understand it. You know, you just got to get familiar with the updated. So she says, she says, work on your career and you do that. Yes. I do, I do. And then in a way, that's what I told you, like spiritual journey, you can have, it's like really like really intense times where you're just like learning and then something kicks you back into like, okay, this is what I have to do. I have to work on my career and do this. And then you kind of forget about it. You don't nurture it so much. You have to be, that's what you're, that's what you're saying. It's like very intentional about always being conscious of it. Um, but, you know, fast forward, like, I don't know where like five years went. So 2012 <laughs> to 2017, I'm just working, figuring everything out, raising a son. And then, of course, in 2017, my mom gets sick with cancer for the second time. And that's when I was like, oh, it's time to come back. Mm -hmm. So I end up going back into the family business. Um, and then she passes in 2018. But here's one thing that, you know, I did get to speak for the first time this year back on stage after 10 years. Um, because most of the time when I did speak before, it had to do with real estate and, and the distressed property market. So I got to speak also in October at this one event called Rise and Record. And I, I shared my story and I said, one another big part, here, here comes the second kick of the spiritual journey was of course losing my mom. And I said, I had this thing where I was faced with having to fill her shoes and run, like, you know, help run the business. And I was like, I hadn't, I like came to that point where I was like, I don't have nearly anything as close to the success she has, you know, or, you know, the the success she's had in, in, in real estate. Like, how do I do it? Um, 
But what was really interesting is like, I really do believe like she's the angel that watched over me because as time went by and I kept unfolding these layers of like, sometimes you'll have to go through deep programming, deprogramming of like trauma and all this kind of stuff. I started to realize that it wasn't so much her shoes that she wanted me to fill, it was my own. And so in that journey, and like that's what I'm saying, after her passing, it, you know, it still takes a while. You've got to have true intentions of diving deep within yourself, understanding, you know, what were the things or the programs that you had. And I severely understood that I had I had a lack of self-love for myself. Mm-hmm. And it played out a lot in relationships with men. That was really a big journey for my, for me. And so I kept having the same patterns. And then when I understood that, I finally said, okay. Well, real quick on the self-love piece, because I think um, I think that, that term gets thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. And people, I, and I think it's with good reason. I think we, we all sort of suffer from that for, for mm-hmm. one reason or another, the lack of self-love. Um, yeah. How did you start to reconcile that? How did you start to improve upon that self-love? Well, another thing too is like I, you know, growing up, I always felt very like, like inside, there was just something different about me emotionally. And so another thing that I started to realize was I was just like, um, I was always, okay, so self-love, how did I start to understand that? For me, I, I think it was, in 2019, it was maybe the, like the one of the last relationships, and I couldn't even say it was a relationship, um, but it was like dating someone and then kind of finding out certain things. But I think that helped me kind of understand something about myself because it was like I could, my patterns with men in relationships were always like I would date them for four to six months and then it would never get past that. And I either something was like, you know, something went wrong or whether one person lost interest and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then I just, there was this point where I just always felt like I was almost just chasing or looking for something. I was looking for love outside of myself. That's what it was. And I think in 2019, I finally had it. And I said, look, what's the common thing here? It was me. And so I had to dive deeper into what that was. And sometimes a lot of it was not learning how to create like healthy boundaries. When things just were not good on an emotional level or like in relationships, you have to know when to like, you know, just walk away from it. If if it doesn't serve each other energetically and equally, then I think that for the most part, whereas in some cases I felt like I was always giving so much of my energy and I would, and then I also discovered that I was an empath. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're gonna cover a lot of ground yeah, here, Lisa. Yeah, I was like, wow, I guess my story's really long. I but- love you, I mean, I love you sharing all this stuff because um, candidly, I remember talking to you in your show and just being like, man, I just wanna steal so much clarity from Lisa. Because <laughs> at that time I was kind of going through my own thing and I was just like, Oh, she's she's got it's it, a, dude. Yeah, she, she's got lot. it. But it sounds like it was earned. <laughs> it was. Oh my gosh, it was really earned. It was just like oh, one epiphany after another. I was like, what did I do in my past lifetimes that I had to go through all of this? Mm. Yeah, it was. I and then you wanted you do. I was like, do you want to know how I figured out how I was? Keep going. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Why not? So I always felt like 
like when I referenced it a few minutes ago, where I always said I always felt like something different. so different yeah. emotionally. Well, a lot of it you could call anxiety, right? And so I'd always had this like pressing feeling on my chest and I just couldn't. And and it would happen in cycles of relationships when they break up or times when I'm just like freaking out and my head's like going. And then when I was visiting my mom one day in at the at the cemetery, and I said, mom, please, I, was, I just can't take this. Like even the physical feeling of anxiety doesn't feel good anymore. And I said, it's just on my chest. And I said, you know what? I'm going to try Reiki healing. So I said, okay, just guide me to a Reiki healer. So I looked for one locally here because I'm from Mission, right? And then I said, whoever calls me, I think I called three three Reiki healers that I found on Yelp. And I said, whoever calls me back first, I'm going to do my first session with it. Sure enough, <laughs> that's just how I work, right? Sure enough, this this lady by the name of Marissa, she's actually season one of uh, season three, episode one of Eight Billion, um, ended up becoming you know, my, my energy healer. And she did amazing work. My first, my first meeting with her or my first session with her, I said, I have something on my chest and this feeling of anxiety, but I don't think it's mine. And she goes, you're right. Mm. She goes, you're right. Because energy is like, it's so crazy when you start diving into like the scientific forms and like just understanding metaphysics, right? Energy is everything, right? Einstein can always be created. It can never be created or destroyed, only transferred. And so people project energy. And if you're not aware of it or don't like create healthy boundaries, you take it on yourself. And I think that's what I did for so many years. We did so many different sessions on energy healing and releasing those things. That's why it's really, I think I'm, I'm huge with like energy healing. Mm. Yeah. And then when we would, when I committed to those energy healing sessions and meditations, that's when I created a more clear path to the higher self. And then everything just started to fall into place, you know? <laughs> and then, then the calling and the epiphany happened. And I was like, wow, that's a really big vision. Mm, yeah. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> man. I don't even know where to go with this, Bobby. Well, I mean, I want, I, I want, I will want to know a little bit more about the empath piece too. Um, yeah. Just because, I mean, I agree with so, so much of what you said with regards to energy taking on people's else's, I taking on other people's energy. Um, at the same time, it's like it's also one of those things that I, it's like one of those bits of knowledge I don't ever know what to do with. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I know that's true, but what do I do with this? So, um, well, sp specifically, when you say empath, what do you mean? Um, what do you mean? So when I'm, I'm, what I guess when I can describe what I am like empathically, I can really, I can really sense emotion. Or like if you were to, like if people were to come to me, I, I felt like people would always just open up to me and tell me things. But I would like cry with them in their stories. I feel for mm. them. And so, like I said, and oftentimes, even when you part after telling a story, you're carrying that energy. Mm. And if you do that and you have that, you you unknowingly tend to like pick up other people's energy and not really understand it. It, it becomes hard. So, hmm. you know. And so you've been doing a ton of work with, um, what would you say her name was? Marissa? Marissa, yeah. yeah. Marissa Grieco. Marissa, if you're watching this, hello. <laughs> Give you a shout out, Marissa. <laughs> She's amazing. Um, and then that ended up leading you to um, starting the 8 Billion Project? 
Yeah, pretty much. So that was beginning of 2020. It was great. I was going through another spiritual awakening or like it was the continued path of another deep, you know, spiritual awakening. And it was great because we were in the pandemic and everyone was forced to stay in. So I stayed in and meditated and I did a lot of the things that, you know, were just really felt like really felt good for my soul instead of like kind of tuning into TV and watching Netflix and all that kind of stuff. But it was it was really the timing was so divine. And as and as I I started to create more of a clear path of understanding who I really was, I think this whole download or messaging from spirit came down and was just like you're here to do something greater because mm. you've got a big heart. <laughs> and what was what I felt was something that that was not so like that would that, that didn't work in my favor growing up because like I'd always given my heart so lovingly to like relationships and then be the one that was brokenhearted in the end. I felt like this was my way of now being able to just share this with people who could put you know like reciprocate it with me. And that's why I really enjoy sitting in front of people. I share good energy, like, a, you know what I mean? Or at least I try to. <laughs> you definitely do. You definitely I, do. I share, yeah. I drop some gems and wisdom and, you know, <laughs> I try and do as much as I can to help people. Yeah. No, I, I picked this quote up off of your uh, website and I really <clears> like it. Your, it is your hope that your work inspires and encourages others on their journey of finding their deeper truth and that one day this becomes a legacy project for others around the world to share their stories. Mm -hmm. And you'd mentioned at the top of the show, um, it sounds like one particular story you were really excited. Um, this actress from, um, from the Philippines. Correct. Um, tell us a little bit about that. We'll give you a break on your story a little bit here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You've I'm revealed like, so much. I know, I revealed so much. I didn't know I was going to, but that was, I set the intention and it happened. I was going to, I said, I'm going to share my story in all its glory. I don't think I held back. <laughs> but that's how, you know what I mean? We are in that age of authenticity, you know? <laughs> yes. We really are. That's right. And that's the only way we can kind of push forward. But uh, yeah, I ended, her name is Christine Reyes and I ended up, she happened to be a very good friend of my cousin and she had made a trip here to the Phil I mean here to the United States last minute and I think she was kind of doing some soul searching herself mm -hmm. and so my cousin was like you have to meet my cousin she has a podcast and this and that he was showing her and he knew that of course like maybe the spiritual base that I had and that could probably shed some insight with her she ended up doing a personal development course here um, and then I got to spend some time with her. And then from there we became good friends and she agreed to do the podcast. It was incredible. But a few days prior to us recording the podcast, I, we were going out to some art galleries in Santa Monica and she's like, you know, I thought she was just gonna share about personal development, right? And, Cause that, there's a lot in there, especially when she took the, the basic course. Um, but she, you know, she kind of said, I think you need to hear my story. And so she she told me that, you know, and it's out now so I can tell it, but she had been, she didn't know, but at the age of six, her, apparently her adoptive parents or foster parents had told her that they weren't her parent, her real parents, and her mom was gonna take her the next day. Mm. And so her mom took her and then she was, really forced into like a completely different life and she had never told that story before but she understood through even taking 
personal development like seminars, that seminar and an advanced one that she she recollects back to that moment of when she was taken. And that became that whole thing where it created these programs for her where she became more scared. She became more, what do you call this? She kind of held herself back. Mm. She became a famous actress, but she would be one of those actresses too that would always just, if they weren't shooting, she'd be in her own room and she'd just keep to herself. Mm. And she, she was very misunderstood, you know? And she broke that story, but I, it really inspired so many women, most especially young women in the Philippines. So it was really cool to kind of see like the vision kind of unfold. I didn't know exactly how it was going to turn out. I didn't even know I was going to be an actress. But see, that's what I'm saying. When, when you have a clear path to your higher self and it doesn't have to be exact, you just kind of follow and keep surrendering to it. It just unfolds and that's the beauty of life. Hmm. Yeah, we have to take it in its all its unfolding. <laughs> yeah, that word surrender. That surrender. Keeps, <laughs> keeps popping up on my radar um, as something I think I need to learn and learn and learn and relearn again. Right. Because mm, it's, it's, not, it's not ours to figure out, uh, no. at least not when we want to. Not when we want to. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then when you don't want to know, you're just like, oh, here's your answer. Yeah. Uh, uh. Well, cool. Well, um, I guess let's uh, let's wrap things up here by just asking what's what's next with the pod. You said you're like fifty episodes in, forty seven, but I've got like fifteen on deck. The thing is, what's really great is that I've just been so fortunate with like having so many different guests right from all over. What's nice with eight billion is that it's not time sensitive in terms of having to launch. So everyone's unique story is there. It's just now I'm thinking like, oh, maybe I should release more than once a week because mm. I'm probably up to recorded up to March right now, March or April. But real estate too is so busy. But yeah, what's the future? I'm so glad that you, you kind of did ask that because I think that after I launched Christine in October 20th, I spoke on stage and then I came back to a really busy schedule in, in real estate. Um, I think that I'm now going through another level of, you know, awake, not awakening, I should say, but I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm pushing forward on expanding this vision and mission of like either eight billion, and and really gonna start to to do more things online and build the brand. Mm. <sighs> any, any, do I get any previews? Anything? <laughs> anything that you're you're okay to share? Well, right now I'm just in the beginning stages of really like truly honing in the true message mm. of, you know what I mean? Like I have the message of 8 billion, but what's Lisa's message? Mm. What am I here to share with the world? What's that special messaging? And I think that I'm taking that this month of December, I'm really kind of just working close with like my like my clients and I'm really just spending a lot of that time with myself as I develop that message and then now and then probably start presenting it online. So, I'll, oh, one of the things I'm I'm actually going to try and do this is this I'll share. You know, Facebook is really big, most especially in the Philippines because they get it for free. So I was thinking an expanded version of that could just be maybe offering up a class, like a four week class, and I'd start that maybe. I, I don't know the details yet, but I thought it was really nice because, you know, personal development and coaching it's not it's not cheap. And sometimes people from around the world, I shouldn't even just say the Philippines, don't have access to stuff like that. So if there's things that I could take from my journey that might help, 
someone and and they can learn it through like either a Facebook class through me or something like that. I I'd like to do that as service to the people in the Philippines. I love it. I love it. How are you balancing um, all this energy and effort uh, around eight billion and in real estate and uh, and I mean I think it's another weird time to be in real estate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that camera has probably got my facial reaction. It is very hard. We traditionally we are as a family business, we're buyers agents because mm-hmm. we are repeat referral. Mm. So I tough time have, to be a buyer. I know. So I was. Is like, it still a tough time to be a buyer? It's still a tough time yeah. to be a buyer. It's still a really tough time to be a buyer. Yeah, I think my buddy at one point had put in like thirty six offers or something in like the span of ten months and. Ten months was just getting denied because <laughs> of like all cash offers that were like 30 40 yeah. percent above rate no they are still overbidding mm. and i you know here's one thing i just want to say you guys for anyone that's watching this in real estate or just you know if i could help you out you guys dictate the value of the house you guys you guys are the ones that say it the banks only loan on of course what the existing market prices. Mm. But when you guys start overbidding on these properties, you guys are saying this is what the value is to me. And that there's nothing wrong with that. But at which point it keeps going higher and higher. And I'm just saying, eventually the market will correct itself. I have been through this cycle. You mean before. reality will reveal itself? <laughs> right? Yeah, it will. And then I just and I've said this and, you know, since September, I think I've done a few Q4 real estate updates. Another thing was with Biden's like moratorium lift, like the mortgage moratorium, you're going to start seeing that you you haven't seen it yet because they're right now negotiating their terms with the bank. But everyone that actually went into forbearance is now having to starting to pay their mortgage. What people don't understand is that they've got to reinstate their loan. And if they can't come to an agreement with the bank, there's some people that either have really hiked up mortgage payments or they have a really big amount that they haven't paid through forbearance that they've got to reinstate before they can be technically in good standing again with the bank because technically mm-hmm. they're defaulted. So yes, there's a lot going on. I That's what I'm trying to figure out right now. That's why if I'm not here on the field or doing a brilliant, I'm very much in hermit mode and meditation and listening to what the next instructions of God and spirit say to me. <clears throat> Beautiful. Well, yeah. great having you on the show today, Lisa. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you definitely bring a warm, sincere energy and Um, I'm just really, really grateful to have spent uh, the last hour with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, it's Bobby. Thanks for listening to today's show. For more, follow Student of Intention at www.studentofintention.com. And remember, don't wait. Start small. Learn as you go.